Step three. Got it! How good is Steph Curry? On one, James. LeBron drops the anvil. It's time for Under the Hood Basketball Pod with Jay Hood. Darnell Mayberry joins me, Jonathan Hood, right here on Under the Hood, the Under the Hood podcast. As we get ready, happy league day to everybody listening. As we get ready for the Bulls in Oklahoma City, Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic. Uh, you can follow him at Darnell Mayberry. As always, we appreciate your time, sir. How are you? Doing well, Jonathan. How are you? I'm well. Tell me about your off season, man. Uh, you know, the Bulls don't keep it very busy. Uh, so I just thought that you have <laughs> some other things to do. <laughs> well, that, that's true. Uh, I did go to Summer League, checked out the young guys uh, out there, Julian Phillips, Dalen Terry, those guys. Uh, so that was fun, a couple of days in Vegas. Uh, you know, just hanging out with my daughter uh, here in Chicago, man, enjoying summertime shy and uh, taking a little break from the Bulls. But ready to get started and uh, see what this continuity is all about for for the third straight season uh yeah continuity is interesting i, I want to talk about before we talk about this season i want to talk about last season why did you think that the bulls underachieved last year well if you go off of what they're saying it's you know specifically nikola vucevic said at media day that they were they were up and down mentally thinking lonzo ball was going to come back and then uh, it was another setback and just not being sure and just all of these different things that were going on with him and his situation. Now they go on or, or have some clarity that they didn't have last year. But uh, I think that's a little I mean, yes, I give them I give them that to a degree, but uh, only so far because they were so inconsistent across the board that uh, you, you just can't say that this was just due to Lonzo Ball. I mean, there was so many other things that. Uh, they could have done better without Lonzo that they weren't able to do. And, and that's my question going into this season. I mean, bringing these guys back, are they going to be able to do some of the things consistently that they weren't able to do last season? Before you bury this in a mailbag at The Athletic, I'm going to be ask you about Lonzo Ball right here. I'm going to ask you right now, okay? Because here's the thing about your columns, right? You will write a column, and then there'll be a mailbag, and then all of a sudden, oh, there's some nuggets there. That's how you do it. I, I like how you do it because you have to read thoroughly everything that you write. So what is the likelihood that Lonzo Ball returns as a bull at any point in his career? I think, you know, I'm I'm sort of optimistic about next season, not at all about this season, but I, I have some optimism for Lonzo Ball playing next season. Uh, and in the Chicago Bull uniform. Uh, I think there's a reason that they don't want to wave him, stretch him, or do anything creatively under the cap to uh, just let him allow him to go away. Uh, they, they know he's a valuable player. Uh, I asked him at media day if he's entertained the thought of how he might have to adjust his game when he returns, and he said he hadn't even thought about it, which I thought was a good sign because... It, to me, that says in his mind, he feels like he can still come back and be the same old Lonzo Ball, uh, who was on a, a pretty good track before his injury. So um, if the Bulls can get even half that player, they're going to be a better team than they are now. So uh, I, I think we could definitely see Lonzo Ball in the Chicago Bulls uniform next season. Darnell, was it my TV or did Kobe White play with a ruthless aggression like differently than we've seen before as far as him trying to be a lead guard for this team 
When when were you watching this, Jonathan? <laughs> well, I saw his head up trying to be able to get the offense started. I thought I saw that on a couple of preseason games. Did I not see that? No, I, I, I'm not sure I'm not Kobe um, at all. Wait a minute. It came off like that. I'm not, that's not my intention at all. But I, I, I agree. I gave him, I think I did preseason grades. I think Kobe got a B, a B which yes. was one of the highest. Uh, I think he tied for, for the highest with Vucevic, Levine, a couple other guys. But... Yeah, I like what, what I saw from Kobe. Uh, when the ball um, pressure starts in the backcourt, that's when you sort of worry. I think tomorrow night against Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, in the season opener, that's going to be the matchups that you, you're sort of going to go in wondering how Kobe White's going to do. And, and Billy Donovan and the rest of the, the team, to their credit, are saying that it's not just up to Kobe White and individuals. It's up to the five-man unit that's on the floor to get stops defensively because this is not the projected starting lineup is not the very best defensive uh unit that that the bulls could throw out there so they do have to be a, a little concerned about that but kobe white has shown some signs man I'm, I'm not too concerned with kobe i like the growth that he's that he's displayed i just remember being the advocate center when he was drafted d and i was just like okay more of a combo guard, more of a shoot-first lead guard than anything else. I just, you know, if, if Levine, and I guess this is a question too, how much do you feel like Levine and or DeRozan will play off the ball if Kobe White has his, you know, the ball in his hands, the lion's share of the time? Because when he was drafted, I didn't think much of it. I just thought, you know, decent player. But I'm just wondering whether or not he can redefine who he's been. Yeah, I think we're seeing him do it, and he has the perfect opportunity to do it now with Lonzo Ball being being out right now, so I, I do think that he's developing uh, into more of a lead guard. He's worked on his ball handling. I've talked to him about that extensively uh, for a story in the Athletic, and he's going to, I think, show a lot more development this season. Every time I see him after practices, going back to training camp, he's he's always working on his his, his ball handling, two dribbles, you know, doing these drills, and uh, it, it looks like he is a lot more comfortable running the team and orchestrating offense from the lead guard position. You got to remember too, Jonathan, when he did this about two seasons ago, he wasn't even like he would to your, to your question. He wasn't even uh, orchestrating the offense. I mean, he was the point guard when he was a starter, but I mean, he'd come down and, and give the ball up and then go stand in the corner. And so, uh, you know, th there were too many occasions like that where he was sort of the de facto point guard this season. I'm curious if he will be able to, take the reins and take some of the pressure off of Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Do you feel that the acquisition of um, of Javon Carter is because of the injury situation with Alex Caruso? Like, when Caruso's there, he can be, you know, a real factor for the team, especially in, with perimeter defense. Do you think that Javon Carter and his health can maybe be able to help that out with Alex Caruso being out so often? Because the number that you put in your column was jarring about how much that we've missed Alex Caruso on the floor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you could look at it like that. I think you could look at it as, as just depth, uh, a better player, a three-point shooter. There's so many boxes that Javon Carter checks. That, I mean, we didn't even mention the, the defense. Um, <clears throat> there are so many boxes that he checks that just makes the Bulls a better team uh, in the backcourt. So if he was uh, a gettable, and he was, I think it was a no-brainer for the Bulls when you didn't have very many other avenues to improve your team. To go out and get a, a no-nonsense guy like Javon Carter made a lot of sense. What has Billy Donovan and or the coaching staff told you about how to move this team into the next level? 
<laughs> it's funny you ask that. I, I had a conversation, an extensive conversation with Billy Donovan uh, the last two days, one in the scrum and one uh, off to the side, just trying to figure out the identity of this team. Uh, and he mentions a couple of things, spacing, screening, and getting into the paint. I mean, he say, he's saying that basically everything starts offensively, at least, with those three things. Defensively, I mentioned it earlier, they need to play uh, as a five-man unit and and rotate, communicate, have each other's backs, things like that. The fundamentals uh, that were just up and down and er- erratic last season uh, that I mentioned in the start, those were the inconsistent things that, that made this team uh, a 500 team last season. When it comes to Patrick Williams, uh, w- what did you see from him in the preseason that's different from last year? It wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always effective. But I did like his level of aggression. I did like the way he has tried to assert himself offensively, uh, even with you know one and two dribble pull-ups, trying to get to the basket and dunk on people, um, you know, taking three-pointers. I mean, he took some at Denver that were way out there and and uh he just took him with no no hesitation and so those are the things that i like seeing from him uh at some point you have to say you need to be effective young man it's, it's one thing to, to have these flashes where you uh just have these these outbursts these 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 uh explosive moments but then if they're not effective what good is it so uh you know it kind of reminds me jonathan of remember when larry marketing was here he'd always oh, try yeah. to dunk on somebody and he'd miss. And, and, you know, we couldn't help but to chuckle on press row. It's like we, we knew what was coming. He's going to give it his best effort, but uh, he was always going to come up a little short. And so that's kind of what Patrick Williams is doing right now with his finishing ability. I like that he's trying to get there. He's being more aggressive. Uh, but he's got to work on his, his ability to finish. I just I think that we saw that um, several times in the preseason where the layup is there. You got to just be get to the basket and dunk it or lay it up or whatever. Just finish. That is correct. I just I'd like for Patrick Williams not to necessarily be the fourth option out there or standing in the corner and just watching Zach and, and DeRozan. You know, if he wants to get paid, and I know that everyone does, I just think that he's got to flash the basket and just be more available offensively for this team. Is that fair to say? Everything but the more than the fourth option, just because I don't know who he's going to play over. I mean, definitely not DeMar or Zach. Um, you know, Vooch, I wouldn't. So, uh, you know, he has to be fourth behind those three. And then, you know, Kobe White's coming on. I picked him as a break, breakout player of the year, most likely breakout player uh, on the Bulls, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did 30-team breakout player candidate for each team, and I picked Kobe White, not Patrick Williams, because uh, Kobe plays more consistently than Patrick Williams right now. So until he develops that consistency, I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, try to force-feed him any more than they already have. I just want him to get the bag that he wants. I do, too. I do, too. I want him to earn it. <laughs> At the very least, right? At least earn it, right? (laughs) While you're out there, you might as well earn it. Yeah, earn your minutes, earn your money. Here's something that no one will ask you. You ready? Now, I I won't ask you about the Bucks, Celtics, 76ers in particular, um, or the Heat, but I'll ask you about these teams. The Cavs, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Nets. How far are the Bulls from those teams? I don't think any. I think the Cavs probably are the best team on that bunch. Um, But... Unless you said the Sixers, um, and even then they got questions. But sure. um, I don't. I think all the others are right there, jumbled with each other. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any separation. I think that's kind of what gives the Bulls optimism 
going into this season is that there is a lot of parity going into this season, uh, especially in the East where, where you have so many teams that are just uh, right there neck and neck, and, and they feel like if they can get into the playoffs, anything can happen because all these teams are even. So if I gave you the Bucks or the field, you'd just take the field in the East? I definitely would. I mean, there are a lot of questions with that Bucks team. I mean, Drew Holiday was a huge part of what they did, um, watching him defensively, even though he didn't make a lick of difference against Jimmy Butler last season uh, in the playoffs in the first round uh, with the way Jimmy played. But, you know, Drew Holiday makes a huge difference uh, for what they do. And uh, Damian Lillard is a totally different style of player. I think they got a lot to figure out there, the talent alone. And we've seen that time and time again. Uh, where where you can't just throw together talent and think it's going to work and lead to a championship. They're going to be entertaining. They're going to be fun. They're going to be uh, successful to a degree, but I wouldn't pencil them in for the NBA Finals and certainly not the NBA Championship. Darnell, I know you still got your ear to the ground to your old gig in Oklahoma City. Josh Giddy, Kildris Alexander, you know Lou Dortz, and um, and Chet Holmgren, and so many others, and the eighty-five draft picks that the Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder have, which is just amazing, right? So, what what are you hearing about Oklahoma City? Because many are optimistic about their future, clearly because of the youth. Yeah, I mean. The, the 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 future belongs to the Thunder because of the talent that they have and because of the picks that you mentioned and because of the savvy of the front office led by Sam Presti and you know they they are in a privileged position where um, they've got some extraordinary young talent. My only question is whether or not Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be there for the long term. He's a little older than. Um, those younger guys and so Sam Presti has always liked to keep the core guys together around the same age so um, with Shea being more established uh, and some of those other guys coming on strong uh, he might be able to move him for some other pieces so that wouldn't surprise me so it's going to be interesting to see what the Thunder does over the next two to three seasons because they're going to make a lot of noise uh, coming up it reminds me of when I was down there covering those young guys when they were Young, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Harden and Serge Ibaka and those guys. Lastly, uh, we know that, um, as you mentioned, Damian Lillard going from Portland to Milwaukee was interesting. Is there anything else that surprised you this summer in the offseason about the league? The James Harden situation, I think, is the biggest thing that is really just like the biggest mystery, I should say. That's probably the best way of putting it. I mean, for him to not, I mean, the season is starting and for him to not be with that team and for that to not be resolved, uh, that's pretty That's pretty shocking. And this is not the first time for James, not the second time mm-hmm. that James has been in a, in a difficult situation. So uh, curious to see how that all plays out, where he ends up, and, and how that impacts the rest of the league. By the way, do you have your schedule set for this uh, Adam Silver Inter- Invitational, this uh, midseason tournament? Are you working it, or can you chill during this time? Hey, man, if the Bulls want to give me another trip to Vegas, I'll go. <laughs> Oh, oh, trip to Vegas in December? Sure, sign me up. It's unbelievable. You, you are, you're definitely down to go to Vegas if that's going to be the case, right? You're down. You're definitely going, right? Let's do it, man. I'm there. This is ridiculous, this tournament. Can I just get my regular season? I'm the old man that's like still shaking his head at the clouds uh, back in the day when it's like, oh, we don't need a wild card. And then the wild card works in the NFL or the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball. And it's like all, all these adjustments, all these new innovations. At some point, Darnell, even though some will frown on it, at some point it will work out, won't it? You, you would think so. I mean, you go look at the play-in tournament. I mean, we kind of laughed and scoffed at that and... 
you know, it's sort of been a success, at least entertaining, and um, it's given teams a chance. The Miami Heat made it to the finals without, um, you know, coming out of that. So uh, some of these things are quirky. I agree with you as as older men. You yes. know, it's, it's, it's difficult at times to see these changes, but anything that makes the league better, the product better, um, you know, I'm all for. And so I'm, I'm willing to be open-minded, give it a shot. And... I might get a trip to Vegas out of it. Oh, again, right back to you and your <laughs> Vegas trip. Right back to you in Las Vegas. It's unbelievable. Well, Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic, as always, I appreciate your time. Look to talk to you in season. Thank you, Jonathan. Great to hear from Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic with me on the Under the Hood podcast. Don't forget, you need your basketball fix. You come right here to Under the Hood with me, Jonathan Hood. This show and this podcast produced by Jay Moore. We'll talk to you next time with another edition of the Under the Hood podcast with me, Jay Hood. Basketball's here. Happy League Day to you and yours. Yeah.